1: We have been keeping an eye on the world of agriculture and farming throughout this COVID-19 pandemic. Always a lot to talk about. So as we've done a couple of times over the last few months, wanted to check in once again with John Urbanchuk, assistant professor and chairman of the Agribusiness Department at Delaware Valley University in Doylestown. We talk kind of overall how the world of agriculture and farming has held up over the last few months, Uh, what he's seeing with regards to beef prices and meat prices, what we're getting at the store, and how farmers are holding up under the strain of this pandemic. A lot of interesting topics. Give a listen. Let's kind of start with a kind of overarching question from what you're reading, people you're talking to, what you're learning. How has the the agriculture, the farming community held up here during this pandemic, which uh, I'm sure has presented an awful lot of challenges to, to people across the board?
0: For the most part, I believe my understanding is that the ag community, the broader ag community, is hanging in. They're weathering the storm. They're making the transition from a very big market to a smaller market. With the assistance of the uh, financial support that came out of the, the Department of Agriculture, I believe most most people are hanging in there. and And as I said, they're weathering it and they're making that transition. Agriculture is not a short-term activity. It's a long-term activity. So farmers, generally speaking, want to figure out a way to hang on there and weather the storms. And that's what I believe they're doing.
1: One of the things that I've noticed as a consumer and then just reading things, if you're looking for something that kind of helps tell the story is beef prices. I have noticed, you know, that the the hamburger, the, the sirloin is more expensive. What have you seen in those markets and kind of give listeners some context as to what's led to some higher prices?
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. When, when you go to the grocery store, there are two things. One, first, uh, most consumers are finding that there's greater availability of products. So we don't have the extensive shortages that we had two or three months ago. But the stuff that's in the, in the meat compartments is more expensive. The best the barometer we have of, of prices at the retail level is the consumer price index. The CPI for all items for the first five months of the year was up 1.4% over the same five months last year. All food up 2.6%. When you go to meat, poultry, and fish, those prices are up significantly. Beef and veal up 7.5%. Pork up 5.1%. Chicken, broiler chicken up 3%. Dairy products up 42 Eggs, 4.4%. So you're looking at, at fairly substantial increases. And the reason for that is that the livestock industry has made the adjustment in terms of reducing the number of of head that are slaughtered. So meat supplies are, generally speaking, lower, and as a result, prices are higher as a consequence of that. Now, you may have also noticed that the Department of Justice has initiated investigations against some of the major meat beef processors for collaboration in terms of pricing. Uh, but so, notwithstanding those kinds of things, we see less production and higher prices. And again, it goes back to that issue that we talked about when we first mentioned. When this happened, roughly half of the market collapsed. That was the food away from home component. So, the, the, the people in the, in the livestock industry found half of their market was, was gone. But what they've done is they've adjusted their production to accommodate that. And as a result, we're starting to see that in terms of uh, uh, retail prices.
1: How long do you expect these prices to remain this high? Like, And this is assuming, and I know we're seeing in some parts of the country, the virus spiking again, and it could lead to other situations. But from where we are now, is this for the foreseeable future? Do you think prices will be higher, if not volatile?
0: I think that we're likely to see prices remain relatively high, or price increases remain relatively high, probably for the remainder of the year. The reason for that is that we're recovering, but we're recovering slowly. And the, the production changes that have taken place are going to be with us for some period of time. Now again, remember that it takes roughly eighteen months or two years to bring a, a cow, cattle to the market, it takes roughly six months, five to six months for a hog, and it takes roughly seven six and a half to seven weeks for chicken. So we've got those production cycles that 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 uh, that are going to be with us really probably for the next six or so months. So I would expect that we're not really going to see any meaningful price relief on the livestock and poultry side probably for the remainder of the year. All the other categories, uh, fruits and vegetables, cereal and bakery products, no real pressure on that. And if anything, we've started to see some some lower prices, again, as, as we start to see more local production come on, it's the meat and poultry side, really, that are the real issues. And it's more on the beef and pork side than it is on poultry. But I suspect that's going to be with us for the, for the, pretty much the remainder of the year. We'll start to see some relief in, in 2001.
1: How about the the agriculture farming supply chains? Have they Is it kind of the same thing that they adjusted and, and got to, to where they need to be and to, because it, it seems like a few months ago, I would go to the store, and if I went on the wrong day, there would be very little chicken, very little meat. Haven't noticed yeah. that for a, a couple months now. Have the supply chain rebalanced?
0: Two things to look at on the supply chain when we talk about the supply chain from the producer to the to the to the processor to the retailer. That's a common. That's that's really uh, adjusted. Uh, it's not perfect. Uh, there are still labor issue problems. You may recall that what is was a month and a half or a month ago, the president said that the meat and poultry processing industries were, were essential industries, so they had to reopen. They have reopened, but they're not operating at full capacity. And that's one of the reasons that uh, we've seen uh, not as big a catastrophe in terms of meat supplies that we thought would be the case. Uh, but yeah, we're starting to see that that the supply chain has become more flexible, it is adjusted, so that most people find what they're looking for when they're looking for it in the grocery store. But as we talked about on the meat side, unfortunately, it's a little bit more expensive. But the, word, the reports that I get from the industry, the, the grocery industry, is that most consumers are finding uh, much improved supplies of, uh, of grocery products than was the case um, two months ago. On the other side of things, that is the input supply, yeah, that that industry has also made the adjustment as well. So farmers are finding that they have what they need.
1: When we talked last time, I think it was just the start of planting season, and we were talking off the air that that seems to be going well. The weather, obviously, in this area, in this part of the country, has uh, been cooperating. Uh, overall, when it comes to crop stuff like that, things are looking good right now?
0: Yeah, they are, actually. Uh, But we had a a really good planting season. We got the crop in. Farmers uh, increased their planting of of almost all the major crops. Uh, Corn is up significantly. Soybeans are up. And and that's an important factor, because what that says is that, again, we talk about marketing years. The year that we're in ends in August, and the new year starts in September with harvest. But we've had an excellent spring planting season. The weather has been accommodating almost throughout the entire country, we haven't had any major flooding problems or we had a little bit of delay by the wet weather, but everything's made up and, and it looks quite good. The biggest problem that we find on, on corn, remember the two most, the two largest crops that we have are corn and soybeans, is in the ethanol industry. And we make ethanol, which is a gasoline additive. We use uh, now almost all the gasoline in the United States is 10% and it's going to be 15% pretty soon. But basically, it's an additive to gasoline. When gasoline demand dropped, as people stopped driving, remember when we went into lockdown, the demand for ethanol dropped significantly, and ethanol plants shut their production down. Uh, well, they didn't all shut their production down. We saw almost a 40% to 50% decline in production on a weekly basis. That has dried up a major market for corn. It's roughly about 38 or 40% of corn demand goes to ethanol. But the other part of that is when you make ethanol from grain, you get two things in addition to the ethanol. You get corn oil, which goes into industrial uses and in animal feed. So you get less of that. And you get less distillers greens, which is a, an animal byproduct feed that is very, very important. So a lot of the, the uh, cattle farmers are complaining, you guys aren't making as much ethanol. We're having a harder time getting distillers greens. So there are some adjustments been made on there. The expectation is, again, as the economy begins to open up, and in fact, we're starting to see that now, you're starting to see a little higher prices for gasoline. We're starting to see a little bit more gasoline demand. Demand for ethanol is going to pick up. And again, next year when we go into 21 season, that that should remedy itself and we should start to see increases again. And that'll take that pressure off.
1: One of the really interesting things, and before I talk to you and some of the people, some of the farmers you put me in touch with, if you would have asked me to list what the problems they they would have to deal with through all this. One that almost across the board everyone mentioned, and I never would have thought, when you talk about the restaurant demand collapsing, is the challenge that packaging presented to farmers because it's a different set of packaging if you're selling to restaurants than if you're just selling to, to schmoes like me. As the restaurant, as the food away from home starts to open up, will that present... A similar challenge going the other way that they had adjusted the packaging they were ordering and utilizing to almost exclusively for retail to to change to wholesale or is it safe to assume that they kind of plan that we're going to get back to this one day and are ready for it
0: the latter probably more than the former now i wouldn't say that they plan for it but i think that Remember, we had that precipitous drop-off. So I think there's a, there are supplies and inventory of packaging materials that can be used. So I don't think it's going to be as dramatic an adjustment. I think what's happened is when we talk about flexibility in the, uh, in, in the distribution channel, we've seen people do things they hadn't done before in ways that they hadn't done before. I remember one of the other things that I mentioned is that we're starting to see people adjust their shopping patterns you know the much more online stuff, much more farm to table or farm to direct marketing, which has worked to the benefit of a lot of smaller producers because they're more flexible and more agile, and they can address those markets in a much more effective way. But on the other hand, it's changed around the way people are buying things. So I think that we're more likely to adjust with that over- reopening because again, it's not going to be precipitous the way the fall off was will be more of an adjustment pattern as a consequence. I think the thing that, that I would look at is say that we've learned to do things in a way that we didn't think we needed to do and we were able to do them. That doesn't mean to say there aren't going to be problems, but I suspect that the problems as we open up are going to be a lot less significant than the ones when we, found we shut down.
1: We've talked in kind of, you know, overarching ways here about markets and, and stuff like that in sectors of industry. You know a uh, a lot of farmers that have come through your program. I know you've put me in touch with them. A lot of these folks are, are family farms or smaller. From kind of a, a one-to-one level, what are you hearing from them? How have they coped? How difficult has this been? Uh, and what are you hearing from those types of folks?
0: What I'm hearing is that they're they're coping. Um, the financial assistance that's been provided by the Department of Agriculture and the Trump administration in terms of helping keep farmers afloat has been a a really really important component of that but on the other hand too as i as i i pointed out a lot of these people are a lot more flexible and they've looked for ways to take advantage of opportunities to change around their distribution doing a lot more direct marketing for example and and it's important to recognize that agriculture and farming is a long-term occupation it's not a short term So, farm and farmers are are really, really used to dealing with adverse circumstances, whether it's drought or flood or disease or whatever. It's more prevalent in in agriculture than it is in most other industries. So, these guys are just looking for a way to continue to to hang on and operate an expectation of improved markets and better times. And I, I have heard. Very few people that have decided to get out of the business, uh, but they're managing they're managing to to hang on and look for ways that they can make uh, the markets work for them and again, smaller farms tend to be a lot more flexible and a lot more agile than big big companies are in a lot of respects so that that's what i'm hearing
1: and final question we're seeing spikes of the virus in different places, and we hear about a second wave, the possibility of stuff like that as far as The world of agriculture is the worst over. When I say that, I mean we've kind of gone through this once. So farmers, suppliers understand maybe, like you said, that agility, that ability to adjust on the fly, that if things do get bad again, they might not get as bad from the food supply chain stuff just because – people know how to adjust on the fly now that maybe we were all caught flat-footed three months ago if i'm making sense with that that question
0: yeah you are i hate to say that i think the worst of it's over because i don't know and i don't think anybody else knows either i heard a a, a medical commentator a doctor talk a little while ago saying that and they were asking you know we're starting to see spikes in florida and in the southeast and, and in other states and she indicated that the big impact started in the Northeast and we've sort of moved our way through that. Now it's happening in other places. Uh, I don't think that we're likely to see um, another mass shutdown the way we did before. Uh, I don't think politicians are going to do that. I don't think consumers are going to live with it. So I think it's more of an adjustment than anything else. So I think we've learned, I think we've been flexible enough to adjust so that I think that what, if anything else, it's going to prolong the recovery. But I think from the agriculture perspective, in terms of that sharp drop off, I
1: think that, that that part of it is behind us. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic here in the Philadelphia area, or if you want to know how what you see or hear on the news is going to change your own life or your own routine, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. My name is Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.